Save big money on new windows now at Menards. Update your home with vinyl windows from Geldwin. They're durable, energy efficient, and are low maintenance. Menards carries over 100 different size and style options in stock, ready to take home today. Save big on Geldwin windows in store or view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more window deals happening this week. Now at Menards. Save big money at Menards. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. It's Monday with Mikey He's Murph. We talking Raiders and the future. Because playoffs are probably out of the question. We having a good time. Let's go. It's Monday's Mikey and Murph. Let's go. All right, let's get to my rap. Let's just do it. So here we are once again. It's Mondays with Mikey and Murph, my friends. About to do it live, about to do it loud. I love Raider Nation. You're my effing crowd. Every day we like to have a good time. We like to go to playoffs, but that's not on the line. But we're still going to have a good future because this has been a technically winning season. It's Monday with Mikey and Murph. We talking Raiders and football dirt. Because we are a new type of awesome Raider Talk show. We're having good times. Let's go. It's Mondays with Mikey and Murph. All right, Murphy. Here we are again. It is a week after another disaster in Raider Nation. But we're here, and you're the positive, most, most positive person I know. And we're going to try to bring the positive while talking about plenty of negatives in today's show. How you doing, Murph? What's going on in your neck of the woods? I'm doing fantastic, Mikey. Glad to be here back in On Air Nation once again for another episode of Mondays with Mikey and Murph. Unfortunately, uh, my positivity well is being drained. Uh, I am, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to keep it as light as possible, but man... Uh, you know, I took a little bit of a beating this week as we all did at Raider Nation. Uh, I, I came out with some pretty big words for Derek Carr and, and, uh, and, and even a little bit John Gruden last week. And, uh, I had a lot of fun, interesting discussions with members of Raider Nation about that and also about what we had to talk about subsequently on Raiders Fan Radio. Uh, so coming out of that, I still had 
the hopes, Mikey. I still had the idea that, look, this was Derek Carr's time to shine. This was the Raiders' time to shine. This was our chance to beat the Titans, the arguably the toughest of the next four games, seal up a 10-win season, secure a spot in the playoffs, and then we went out and crapped the bed in the second half. And so I'm, I'm struggling to be positive, Mikey. You know I'm still going to be that way. I'm still going to try to be some salt and light to Raider Nation, but I got to admit, man, this was a rough one. You know what? Um, all excuses beside, we were teased by the Raiders this season. Oh. I mean, we were teased by them a lot. Like we, I hate to admit it, we overachieved on many occasions. And that's the problem is we all want winning seasons. And we all, we are, we started feeling it after that Chicago victory. Then we won three straight a couple weeks back. And we were like, we got teased again, Murph. Yes, 20 years in a row we're being teased. Yes, we did. You you are kidding. You know, I I said at the beginning of the year and I meant it that I uh, I thanked the Raiders for relieving me of the burden of expectation on this season. I didn't expect the Raiders to come out and 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 be gangbusters and make the playoffs or win the division or anything. But then all of a sudden, you know, yeah, it was against kind of I want to call them cheap opponents, but lesser opponents. We won 3 in a row. We were in a position late to compete and you know, you want you would like to say that going in that well, look, if they're in a position to compete late, like what else could we ask for? Well, we could ask for them to compete late because they had a chance to compete late, but then they didn't compete. And so that's just been a real, real tough one to swallow. Because uh, again, yeah, they, they kind of teased us, Mikey. They kind of built us up just to freaking pull the rug out from under us. Yeah, Derek Carr teasing a lot of people as well. Like what's going on there? We'll get into that more on today's Mondays with Mikey and Murph. First off, uh, Murph, please let everybody know about your amazing content. Uh, your podcast has been up there in terms of views. It's been trending. Uh, you're, you're getting some major love from Raider Nation. Let everybody know where they can find you every week and your channel. And the description will be below for you guys to subscribe to my man, Murph. But let them know what's going on in your your, your podcast area. Appreciate that, Mikey. Yeah, with Mikey's encouragement, we started a YouTube channel in order to uh, live stream our podcast. We've been an audio only podcast for uh, a few years now. And uh, it, Mikey was like, dude, you got to gotta put those things up on YouTube. It'd be cool if you guys did like a live stream version of your show. So uh, in the model of like a Dan Patrick, well, I'm not Dan Patrick, nor did I just compare myself or our show to him. But the same idea, the same concept is that we're a radio show and we do a live recording of it and we put that on YouTube. So that is uh, on Murph. I always mess that part up. It's YouTube. YouTube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave. Spell Murph with an F. M-U-R-F-S. Fan Cave. Uh, and, and you can find us there. Please subscribe. Smash the bell, as the kids say. And uh, check out our live stream. Hit the damn button. Hit the button. So, uh, yeah, check those out. Uh, those are the live stream versions of Raiders Fan Radio. We go live on YouTube every Wednesday night. Uh, and then if you want to check out the audio version of not only Raiders Fan Radio, but all of the shows we have now on the network, which is the audio version of this show, Mondays with Mikey and Murph, we have a show called Tales from the Nation, where we look back at famous moments in Raiders history. We have our fan club show, which is called the Fan Club Blitz. That's hosted by the guys from the New Jersey chapter of the Black Hole, and they celebrate all things Raiders and Raiders booster clubs and fan clubs. 
Uh, and then now the fifth show on our network, uh, we were proud to announce this week, uh, Mojo's Pod Show. Podcast. And that is Mojo Raider from down there in San Diego. Uh, he does an awesome job. He does a great YouTube show. Uh, and then we take the auto version of that, much like we do with this show, and we put that on the, uh, on the Murph's Fan Cave Podcast Network. So if you're an audio listener, Search for us, please. M-U-R-F-S, Fan Cave. Subscribe to the audio versions or here on YouTube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave. And as always, Mikey, thank you for the platform, my friend. Yeah, I hope all the links are correct to find you down below on iTunes and YouTube and stuff like that. So check them out. And I appreciate it real quickly. I just want to say all the amazing podcasters and the people you're bringing on to your network, this Raider Nation community, I, I mean, I'm not going to call it competition like, I'm tired of that statement. It is becoming the hugest podcasting, video casting, fan-based news organization team for, for any team in the NFL is Winter Nation on YouTube and the podcasting realm. That's all I'm going to say. They're the best. We will always be the best. And I love you guys for taking it onward and upward. Can I, and now, my, my- both of yes. Please, I'm sorry. Can I just? I want to jump in and say something real fast on that. And I'm glad you brought that up because there's there's a lot of content out there for Raider Nation, and I don't know what it's like for the other teams, uh, you know, fan generated content. But I got one of the nicest compliments from uh, someone at the Raiders tailgate when we were out there, and uh, we I just done a bit with the guys from the Pillaging Podcast. I sat in with them and did their two minute drill uh, where you sit down, and you basically you do like a rapid fire trivia thing for the Raiders, uh, and it was a lot of fun. And those guys were welcomed me to their show uh with open arms and so when i got done with that the comment was made to me that it was amazing how raider nation content creators do not treat each other like competitors then and it was the comment was directed at me but i think a lot of us do but i was told look you don't view them as competitors you view them as colleagues and that's the absolute truth like whether it's guys from pillaging or you know here mojo is now on our network or all you know the behind the eye patch guys east coast nation like there's I view them as colleagues. I don't view them as competitors. There's plenty of Raiders fans out there to consume right. all of our content. And it's silly, the idea of us competing with one another. And I will tell you this, the ones that do consider a competition aren't friends of mine. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't rub shoulders with those folks. Any of the folks that I rub shoulders with can continue to view this thing as collaborative and, and that it, we are colleagues of one another. And, and Mikey, this show is a perfect example of that, that you and I had found our own successes in two completely different forums. You hear, obviously, on the YouTube, us with our audio show, and then you and I got together and we thought, well, heck, let's kind of combine our two worlds and see where it goes. If we looked at each other like, oh, it's going to be competitive, and whose channel are we going to do it on, and who's, who's going to get this, and who's going to get that, that was never a part of our conversation. You and I were just like, hey, man, let's go put out another cool Raider show, and here we are with Mondays with Mike and Murph, so... Well, let's give it up to a Raider Trooper with a nice donation for our show. And he said, I'm so sad. I don't want to do videos anymore. Uh, I love you, Mikey, and I love you, Murph, from the Oakland Raider Trucker. Thank you, brother. You always support. But just if I could piggy point on that, 99% of uh, Raider video makers, like you said, they're not viewing it as competition. 99% of them. There are a few up there that are in it as a job, and I'm not going to disrespect them for that, and they're about making money. I, at one point, will always admit this. It became about money, 
and competition for me as well. I got seduced by the dark side, Murph. <laughs> I got seduced by the dark side of YouTube. But I've been recently trying to let that go and trying to, you know, improve my life in many other ways. And you guys just recently, a lot of you guys supported and donated for me in my life when I was crying in videos being help. And I will never forget any of you Raider Nation for everybody for doing that. I love you all. And let's get on with the show. Basically, like my shirt, I've been trying to think like Bruce Lee. I've been trying to calm everything in my, wife, my life. Be like water, my friends. Yes, flow around it. Be like water. All right, it's time for the headlines, headlines, breadlines to blow my mind, Murph. You don't like paying rent. I'm not going to mention anything. I say be like water. (laughs) Be like water. Here we go. Flow around your rent. (laughs) We got some amazing headlines in today's show. And again, these are headlines just to spark debate, just to spark conversation. They may be negative at times. We may go into negative aspects about players or coaches, but it's not meant to piss you off, and it's not meant to be derogatory. We are all Raiders, but every week we're either happy or mad, and we are emotional creatures, and we do reserve the right to change our opinions daily because we are human beings. We are not robots with one set of mathematical you know, opinions. We we change every week based off circumstances. All right, let's get going in sad news. Rookie running back a few years back for the Raiders had a fantastic preseason. He was one of the favorites. He's also a legacy of George Atkinson, a, a famous, famous Raider from many years ago. There was a tragic death in the family uh, last year at this time with his brother, George Atkinson III lost his brother due to suicide. And then all of a sudden, we just got the news, I believe it was about a week ago, that George Atkinson III, the Raider preseason favorite that should have made the team, went on to play with Cleveland, passed away as well. Details did not were not forthcoming about what had possibly happened, uh, and Derek Carr spoke about it, and... That family has been through some tragic issues. Any thoughts on George Atkinson the third, his family, and this situation? Uh, my uncle Mosh addressed this in our last episode, and and I thought he addressed it in a fair way. That you know, this, this is obviously tragic. It's tragic for the family. Uh, I believe not only so George Senior. Uh, I believe he's now lost both of his boys and also his wife, if I'm not mistaken, in the past uh, however long. So it's very, very tragic. And so anyways, Uncle Mosh did, I thought, a great job of addressing it on our show. And and he addressed it in this way that uh, reach out, like reach out if you know someone uh, that is struggling with with mental health and that reach out to them, Uh, reach out on their behalf, like, uh, you know, connect with one another, love on one another. Like that's what. Ultimately, and I'm not saying that people weren't doing that for George the Third, but that's the ultimate takeaway out of this is that you never know what's going on with somebody. And so this is just all the more reason to be hyper aware of being kind to one another and to be there for one another to, to you know, because at the end of it, once things like this occurs, because someone felt isolated and alone and they didn't feel like they had any other options. Uh, so again, not knowing any of it and wouldn't care to, because it's not my business. Um, but just knowing that, that that type of isolation and that type of, 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 you know, loneliness and, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Desperation 
that that's what leads to these things. So if there's someone even remotely close to you in your life that's going through this, then be there for them. Love on one another. Yes, I don't know truly know the official details, but his brother Joshua and Andor Jackson the third and the second, they were from a high school in my neighborhood called Granada Hills. They were the Matadors, and they went on to success in the NFL. Well, George Jackson the third did, and it, it hits home. It hit home because I wanted this guy to make the Raiders team. Uh, he didn't ultimately make it, but he had a fantastic preseason, and we loved seeing a Raider legacy member on the field. You know, and we were all rooting for him. But the truth details have not come out about his death. And you know, and I, I don't hope want they... to be the one to assume, but I'm yeah. assuming it's possibly uh, a suicide again. And I have a lot of issues with depression and anxiety. I'm not saying similar, but I do understand the desperation of wanting to be alone, feeling alone. But I have never had thoughts of possibly taking my life. And that is one thing I am so thankful for. Even though I hate life at times, I'm so proud and look forward to Raiders and all that. So if anybody, anybody can do, if you need to talk to somebody, I got the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline Good call, number Michael. on the, the screen. Uh, please call that number if you're, if, if, if you're dealing with anything. If even you need a friend talk during this holiday season, call that number. And then I'm going to end it with that. I you wish read that, you all love and respect. Read that, please, because we're going to have this for the audio version. So read that, please. Yeah, check it out. So if you need anything, anybody to talk to, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. You could also go to the suicidepreventionlifeline.org for more details and information seek help no problem in asking for help or answers i love you all all right so in a little bit of exciting news there's a new uh health facility being built for the raiders in vegas and they actually finally got the naming rights it's called the intermountain Healthcare uh facility or the training center uh, and there it is on screen. I mean, it looks state of the art. Of course, pictures can be misleading, but it looks fantastic. It looks like they got three fields. I mean, we feel like a billion bucks when we have a place like this. So I asked the question, are you excited for Vegas or are you sad for Oakland? Neither one. So here I'm, I'm going to ride the fence. I am excited for the Raiders. And I'm excited for the Raider fans. So, number one, I'm excited for the team because with state-of-the-art facilities like this, it will give us another selling point to attract free agents. And it just, frankly, when all the – when you look at the, the – let me spit this out. The dilapidated facilities that our team has had to deal with from – on the field practice. Remember the practice field issues? Remember all that was all that stuff about, oh, that's why Darren McFadden got hurt repeatedly because of the practice field. Remember all that stuff? And then now you literally have poo running through the dugouts of the Oakland Coliseum. Um, you know, like there's just been a lack of proper facilities for this team for a long time on many, many fronts. So I'm very happy for the team. I'm happy for the players. Heck, these guys bust their asses to become NFL athletes. They deserve it. Like, frankly, like, come on now. Like you're playing in like Juco standard stuff, like, and you're an NFL team. So I, I love this for the team. 
Secondly, I love it for the Raiders because I believe this is all part of the Raiders fan experience. I believe there's going to have uh, there's going to be a, a tourable portion of this facility where we as fans can show up down there and like walk through the halls and like see Lombardi trophies and take pictures and you know what I mean. Not I don't think the Raiders are going to ever have like a Hall of Fame, but there's going to be some sort of exhibition there available for us as fans to be able to tour through. You know, there's going to be a gift shop. It'll probably have the most yeah. badass Raider image ever, like that kind of stuff. So I'm excited for the players and the team itself. I'm excited for us as fans. As far as the cities go, I'm kind of out on being on one side or the other for the cities. I have zero ties to, to, to Vegas. My ties are to the Bay Area, and they're leaving the Bay Area. And I don't live there anymore, and I don't live in Vegas. So I'm like, I'm so like, I don't want to, you know, infringe on anybody that is still in those places so i don't think i really have a good place to like comment city wise on this stuff um so i'm just going to keep it team specific because that's what i am nowadays i'm a freaking raider fan and uh and so i'm just happy for the team and happy for me and you the proverbial you as fans uh i mean it looks fantastic it, it it's basically shining a light uh, for the move to Vegas, uh, Mark Davis has technically been in Vegas, been supporting Vegas for basically two years now, and he's 100% separated himself from Oakland the minute, you know, the sale was final and all the money came into fruition. Mark Davis definitely 100% all in, and it feels exciting. I mean, from a fan perspective, to see state-of-the-art facilities going to a new home and see all the, you know, up-to-date <laughs> Hopefully there's no rats, like, you know, in, in, in the back or whatever. But it feels exciting. And, yes, you're right. Many players, free agents will play there for less or for no taxes and stuff like that. And it's exciting. But it's 100 sad for Oakland because Mark Davis, if he really wanted to, could have went to Silicon Valley to maybe sell the team to stay in Oakland or something like, I don't know all the politics of it. I'm not that smart, but they could have built a facility like this. And, you know, the city of Oakland deserves it. They're losing everything. And it's just sad to see. And, you know, great yeah. people, great fan base, but I'm excited. I mean, yeah, I, I don't feel sorry for the city. I feel bad for the fans. I feel bad. And I, I said I wasn't going to get into it, but I'm willing to dip my toe in this far because I already have. I've been on record numerous times. I don't. I feel for Oakland fan. I feel for the fans that are at the tailgate, that are in the stands, that populate the Oakland Coliseum week in and week out. As far as the city goes, I think it's whatever. You're the those knuckleheads, including Libby Schaff, are the ones that lost this. They've if it wasn't for the fact that the, that the A's got sued for the rights to the fan base in the South Bay by the Giants, then literally Oakland would have lost all three of its professional franchises. Like the, the it's the the city of I don't feel bad at all for the residents of the ones that don't have the ability to influence these things other than by votes and are still the ones that support the teams regardless. Those are the ones I feel for. The politicians and the bureaucrats, F them. Like, they're idiots. They're the ones that they screwed themselves so bad on this thing. And you watch. The A's are going to end up being the freaking Portland A's before we know it. And you know what pisses me off? It just seems like Mark Davis and the publicity department for the Raiders have been taking a jab at Oakland on specific occasions and timing. I mean, this announcement was only made the minute we came back home. You know, back to Oakland to play the final two games. 
You know, this announcement was made right before then. It seems like a jab, you know, like why couldn't that timing been after the first blowout loss in New York or something like that? You know, why couldn't the timing have been then? They had to wait till we come back home to Oakland 100% to like to, to make this announcement. So it just rubs me the wrong way, as we're going to talk about during the show. Any last words for the state of the art facility? I think it's awesome. Congratulations to the team. Congratulations. And it's going to be fun to watch fresh conferences without airplanes constantly or wait are they going to be close to the airport in vegas again no this is in like henderson nevada man it's like a town away good i'm tired of airplanes and construction work during the press conferences i'm freaking tired all right nobody cares nobody cares speaking of that hi it's jamie progressive's employee of the month two months in a row leave a message at the Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nobody cares. That should be the Oakland Raiders team motto this season. Uh, Derek Carr, after another heartbreaking loss on many occasions, had a press conference, in my opinion, full of excuses directed at every single person, whether it be Gruden himself and even the fans. He also went on to say that when asked why he was booed or how he felt about being booed. He said, it happens. It's happened for six years. I don't remember the fans booing you for six years straight, Derek Carr. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but before we get into that, let's just, let me just read this, Murph, and then we're going to hear the audio clip of Derek Carr and Nobody Cares, basically the Raiders team motto the last few weeks. Uh, this is so amazing, Murph. This is in regard to Derek Carr, fourth and one, with four minutes left from the goal line, throwing the ball out of bounds. Raiders quarterback Derek Carr hung in the pocket one second after another, surveying and surveying and surveying some more, waiting in vain for someone to come free. He moved slightly to his left and then rolled back to the right with Derek Carrier and Jay Jones running parallel with him on Sunday afternoon at the Oakland Coliseum. Neither guy was apparently open, so Carr eventually elected to throw the ball away on fourth and one with four minutes left down 42-21. That's when the hometown crowd booze came. It was to be expected after all, considering the confession came on fourth and goal from the one-yard line with just under four minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Raiders were trailing 42-21 to the Titans. That wasn't a major moment, as the visiting Titans already had the game in hand and won by the same score. That placed outcome wouldn't have mattered much either way. But it was, however, essentially a tap-out from Carr. Carr could have given Zay Jones or Derek Carrier, whether they were open, a chance to make a play, but he didn't. At minimum, the optics were not great. Ultimately, however, head coach John Gruden was not upset. This play's result. In the press conference, he went on to say, 
I think Carr kept the live the play alive for 12 seconds. It wasn't like he just aborted the ball. Gruden said, I mean, he exhausted play for what it was. I'm not going to stand here and say that this was an actual turning point in the game. Carr didn't have anybody open and he bought time. He didn't try to force it anywhere where nobody was open and he ran out of real estate heading toward the sidelines. Carr said, they push in a scramble drill. I tried to extend the play in the pocket like we've been working on. I tried to find somebody in the pocket, and then as soon as they got close, I tried to extend it outside of the pocket. I promise you, I wrung out the whole towel on that one. I mean, there were seven defensive backs looking at me and waiting for the ball. It is what it is. Nobody cares. Do you have any issues with his fourth and one? And Gruden not being mad. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I, I get first off the way that that was worded was, was brilliant in terms of the Scott bear, Scott bear. Yeah. For far as the way Scott wrote that, I thought was great. That was very accurate and very apropos in terms of how we all feel about this, uh, and how we all interpreted this. I also think that Derek has a point. I think that John has a point. So here's where I come out on it. And, and here's where, Mikey, what I always encourage folks to do. Don't take the writings of a Scott Bear. Don't take the, you know, the, the statements at a press conference. Don't take those things and then just regurgitate that and make that become your opinion. Um, I always encourage fans to, and, and this should be in all facets of your life, critically think your way through all of the information that's available to you and then come up with your own mind. Okay, so here's what I say. So here's my process of critically thinking my way through this. Okay, so what does this mean? Correct. What does this tell us? Okay, what this tells me is that Derek Carr was under instructions from his coach because his coach confirmed what he his behavior. He confirmed that this was the, the appropriate way to process this play out. Okay. So now this becomes a, my question then, again, going through this process, is that the then default is for Derek to give up if the play shows not to be available. Because you're right, he wasn't going to influence the outcome of the game, but now his default mindset is, it's not there, it's not there, it's not there, give up. Well, I don't know if I like that in my quarterback, frankly. And I'm not saying Derek is a guy that gives up. I'm not, this isn't an assassination of his character. This is not me taking a run at him as a, as a, as a, as a man. This is not, that's, that's not what that is. So don't misinterpret any of what my comments are. My comments have everything to do with my all-time favorite Raider is Kenny Stabler. If Kenny Stabler is back there on fourth down, does he throw the ball away? No, he probably fumbles it into the end zone or tries to figure out some way to create something. And that's what my and that's when I when I compare Derek to his idol Brett Favre and wish that he was more like that or these other players that are currently in the league, you know, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and I get you just your your quarterback can't magically be one of the best players in the in the NFL, but it's the mentality of okay, I've exhausted all my possibilities. Now I'm just going to give. Like I hate that. I, I hate that. And if that's being coached in him, I hate that too. So where I'm normally the guy that will apologize for Gruden, I'm not in this case. I'm also not going to apologize for Carr. I get their point. And, and, and look, that's the plan. 
fine if that's your plan, but as a fan, no, I don't ever want that to be your your automatic go-to. Like your go-to is to give. That's look, I get avoid mistakes, I get all that, but what is what is the actual net result of this? What were the three, four things that could possibly happen there, Derek? Well, you, it's incomplete, right? It could be an interception. It could be an interception return for a touchdown. Uh, it could be a touchdown, right? Eric, you could get sacked. Okay, so I'm on five things now, right? Five things also that would not have changed the outcome of the game. So why not take a shot at the scoring play to generate some momentum and morale going into the next week? Try to give your the, your fans something to cheer for. Whatever the case may be, why not take a shot? If it didn't matter then why are we giving like if it, if it, then what are you then doing? So then is Derek being motivated by his stats is his coach? Like, I don't know. And I, and I think those are fair questions to ask is John Gruden motivated by keeping Derek stats, Derek Carr stats intact. So he could trade him. Is he want to show that his quarterback is producing at a higher level on paper than maybe what is interpreted that way? He's the, the reflection on him is better as a, as a quarterback, uh, coach coordinator, head coach. I, I don't know. And, but I think all of those are fair questions to ask. And ultimately where we come out is this, you know, Raider nation, we want to rally against the haters and I'm first in line to do that. And I'm always the guy that says, look, you can be critical. Every team's fans can be critical of them at the end of the year, except for one, because only one team wins the Super Bowl. So all 31 teams critics are always proven right at the end of every single year. But the only thing that, that guys like me who are, you know, willing to freaking die on the hill for the Raiders, no matter what, the only thing that gives me ammunition is the visuals is the optics of things. And right now, I don't have any ammo. Like, what am I? What can I say to someone that goes, Derek Carr and the Raiders and John Gruden suck? Like, with some stupid ass take like that. What's what ammo do we have, Mikey, to combat that? Because right now I don't. Because right now I just see us getting doubled up in the second half against the freaking Tennessee Titans, who are a great team, but they ain't that great. They ain't great enough to outscore us, freaking you know, twenty-one to nothing or whatever the hell it was. Like, come on, man. It's just so I don't know that was that was a lot. But anyways, please go because I'll ramble all night. Yeah, nobody cares, Murph. According to Carr, nobody cares. Nobody cares, Murph. Apparently not Gruden when Carr made the fourth and I one mean, throwaway. Apparent Carr doesn't care that he made the throwaway. As he said in multiple press conferences, he's just trying to not make Gruden mad. And he's not trying to make a mistake. And he's, nobody cares, Murph. That's the mentality that has set in to the Raiders organization and the players. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. That is the, what's going on in the locker room. That's the mentality. Josh Jacobs, as we're going to talk about in a minute, he's the only person I've seen with a little bit of flair. In a press conference about a week or so ago, after a blowout loss, he said the team gave up the week before. But that week versus the Jets, they didn't give up. But instead, he felt like the team gave up. Who's he speaking of? Nobody cares. I mean, their car statement is 100% correct. Nobody cares. It's a results-based business. We're here to just win, baby. But still, the mentality is not just win, baby. Mentality for my their car's head, and I forgive me, I'm not trying to get into his head, but he doesn't. He throws the ball away 
on fourth one. Why? Because he's afraid to make Gruden mad. Gruden has been teaching him, make good decisions in the red zone. Don't turn the ball over and all that other stuff. And Carr is not reading the game script. He's not understanding the game is over. Build momentum. You know, go into next week with a touchdown in the red zone. Give your playmakers a chance, whether they're open or not. Derek Carr's mentality is of, let me just work within the scheme, not make any mistakes, and I'm going to do what coaches tell me in a sarcastic fashion. So Derek Carr, I believe, throws the ball away, not to prove a point to anybody but the coach. Well, that's what you've told me to do on fourth and one in the goal line, not to make mistakes. So I'm going to throw the ball away. I'm not going to try and make a play because you don't want me to. Air Car made multiple excuses in this press conference, and we're going to hear the clips of that about writing a book about all the problems the Raiders had. I'm tired of these excuses by Carr. I understand their frustration. I think I showed some emotion, too. Um, uh, but I don't think anything of it. It's happened for six years. Oh, yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, to, I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. Let's just be real about it, right? I'm into facts, and it's been a really weird year, right? Uh, we can get into all the other stuff. Someone should write a book at some point about that, you know, some of the stuff that went on. Um, but nobody cares. I'm used to that. He's used to nobody cares, Murph. And he's been booed for six years. I mean, what are your thoughts on this Derek Carr press conference? His, he's done. His mentality's done. He's, well, he's given up. He's, he's, I don't know if he is or not, but he sounds like someone that's been defeated. And yep. uh, with the look, it was a crazy preseason and all that, but it didn't seem to have had a big impact on them in the first least half of the season. But anyway, yeah, but now it does. Now we, now but, we need to write a book about everything that's happened. Yeah. And that's, so that's curious. It's like, well, now all of a sudden you're losing. So now it becomes like, okay, now there, now you had all this adversity you were dealing with Well, before you were rolling with the punches. That's, that's, that's interesting. Those com those comments, um, the nobody cares. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to still have his back on this one that I, I believe that he's talking in reference to, the us of the world that he's talking about to the people that are not in the building that you're right, Derek, we don't care. I don't care what your excuses are. I don't care about your adversity. I don't care about your injuries. I don't care about all that stuff because there are other teams like, Oh, I don't know. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers that have dealt with just as much adversity, just as many injuries and have come out and are contending. And, and right now uh, have a seem to be a, a beat on the, on the second wild card spot competing with the Titans. Uh, the, Titans, another team, dealt with a lot of injuries, had adversity, changed their starting quarterback for crying out loud. Like, everybody deals with something. Now, you can deal with something and remain mentally tough, or you can, you know, deal with something and then when things aren't going so well, you know, float it out there that it's not an excuse. Well, <laughs> now you're using it as an excuse. Like, you shouldn't have brought it up at all. Like, if it wasn't a big deal, then what are you bringing it up for? So, I'm just a little confused on that. Again, I can I can only go off of what his words are, but this doesn't sound like somebody that's like, you know, the epitome of confidence anymore. I don't know. And again, I'm not reading into him. I'm not, this is not taking a shot at him. I'm just telling you what it sounds like to me, whether this was somebody I worked with or somebody that I was a family member or whatever. It sounds to me like he's defeated. Now, if you don't think that he is, 
God bless you. And, and I hope you're right. And I'm the one wrong. And I look forward to eating all the crow in the world. But right now it just doesn't sound good. He just doesn't, doesn't sound like a guy that's, that's really confident in how things have, have gone on and, and look, and I know that the part of that is comes from the losing. And I know that you get beat down so much and then it starts to, to come out of you a little bit. And, it just, I don't know. I'm just confused, man. I'm, I'm really this season more so than a lot here lately, uh, especially in terms of him have confused me. And the last thing I'll say on it is this, is that, and the reason, and part of that, this whole idea of, well, they've been, they've been booing us or me or whatever for six years. That's not so much been the case, man. Like we've had your back for a long, long time, Derek. And I've, and I've had the good fortune of attending a lot of Raider home games uh, over the past six years. And, I don't ever remember or recall being there for, uh, you know, open booze or cascades of booze. Um, there have been some. Uh, the Monday night game last year when you threw a pick six to Marcus Peters and he grabbed his junk while jumping into the end zone. Yeah, the Boo Birds came out because, you know, that was a pretty bad moment. That was a pretty bad opener for us that, that season. Uh, so, yeah, there was people booing. But there's been... I would say an abundance of support that's much outweighed any of the criticism of this team. And look, you got one of the guys like right here. And I I mentioned it last week. You have your car stands, you have your car haters, and then you have all the people in the middle. And I'm consider myself, even though I'm a leaner, I'm one of those guys in the middle. Well, DC, you and the rest of the Raiders, including John Gruden and everybody, you kind of lost the middle, man. Like it's hard for us to argue on your behalf anymore. So, yeah, you're going to get booed. And you know what? You better freaking ball out in Jacksonville. You better ball out. You better have a great game. Like, this this whole inconsistent thing, this whole second-half dumps that you're taking, like, you think it's bad? You think you got booed today or last week, last Sunday? Dude, you go ahead and show out like that the last game ever in Oakland and see what happens. Like, Lord have mercy. That can get ugly, Mikey. Nobody cares, Murph. That's the statement. Again, I hate that statement. I hate mentality. He used to take on, I have to play better. I have to do better. You know, I got to make amends. He's not saying that in the last few press conferences. He's saying there's a lot going on around us. You know, talk Gruden about that. You know, maybe we should write a book about everything that's going on. He's not saying, yeah, it's on me. I got to play better. I got to give players a shot. You know, I got to try to make them better. I got to be a playmaker. He's saying nobody can. And then he's also saying the fan base doesn't care. Well, that's why we booed you. It's because we care. We love you, Carr. We want the best for you. We want you to throw a ball, whether it's an interception on fourth and one in the red zone with four minutes left to score a touchdown, possibly for one of the last times in Oakland. We don't care whether Gruden tells you to not throw the ball or not make a mistake, this might have been the last Oakland touchdown. We didn't even know if they're going to score in Jacksonville. Go out there, put on a damn show. That's all I'm going to say. This mentality has to stop from our quarterback, who was an MVP candidate a couple of years back. That's all I'm going to say. Grab your balls, Derek Carr. You're playing good statistically. That's not what I'm throwing at you. You're making bad decisions all around, and it's got to stop. All right. Speaking of good players, but interesting note, I just wanted to give a little tidbit into the reason I asked this question about Josh Jacobs. Um, 
Josh Jacobs, we all know that he hurt his shoulder versus Green Bay in week seven. And he continuously played on it like a freaking stud. I don't know how bad the injury was, but he played on it for many weeks, up to seven weeks, until this week, all of a sudden, a few days before the game, he posted on Instagram a picture of him icing his shoulder, and he said he's been playing with a fractured shoulder. But then, all of a sudden, he officially went into the weekend as questionable on the reports. He was lifted in practices weeks earlier, but always on the Friday report or whatever, he didn't officially have a questionable designation going into the game. And he played all of those games. But after publicly announcing he had a fractured shoulder and he'd been playing on it, Gruden and team shut him down. Now, there's apparently an MRI scheduled for today or tomorrow to find out the true extent of his injury. This boggles my mind. Why didn't they do an MRI after week seven? Or did it progressively get worse? There's a little bit of details that were missing from this situation, but Josh Jacobs was clearly sad that he was pulled out of the game, and now he's had an MRI, and there's a possibility, depending on the results, that he might be shut down for the entire season, pending those results. Gruden went on to say today that, you know, he hopes he plays in the final game in Oakland. He's a freaking stud. But I don't know. Was the Josh Jacobs shoulder injury situation mishandled from any perspective of you and or, depending on the MRI, do you think Gruden will shut him down uh, for the season? I think he will if it's warranted, just like any coach would. I mean, you, you know, look – Josh Jacobs has a bright future in the NFL. You're not going to risk uh, any any significant injury to uh, to get him out there for you know a, a few games when your team is struggling. So no, I, if he needs to be shut down, he gets shut down. I mean, there's a kid's career to I call him a kid. Uh, I'm old enough to do that. A young man's career to be considered. So um, yeah, I mean, I, it would surprise me you know, in terms of the way this unfolded. Uh, I mean, I'm only guessing. I'm only guessing. I'm only pure speculation here. But I'm a, we know he's tough as nails. We know Josh Jacobs is a really tough guy. So I'm going to draw by that conclusion, knowing that he's a tough guy, the fact that he put it out there on social media, that he'd been playing with this, he probably wasn't letting it onto the team as much. And by doing that, he probably, you know, put on a lot more than maybe he wanted to, and, uh, and it exposed him. And so the team starts asking questions. They start, you know, investigating it a little bit. They start digging into what's going on with them. They start, you know, looking at the shoulder, realize that there's more significant damage than uh, maybe what they expected or, or that they, uh, you know, were led to believe. And there you go. So it would surprise me. I mean, and, and I don't think this is an indictment of anybody. I don't think it's an indictment of the, the team. And more importantly, I don't think it's an indictment of Josh Jacobs. I think it just proves what a tough some bitch he is. You know what I mean? Like he's a freaking dude is amazing. I mean, like the fact that, you know, like that's, that's next level kind of stuff. When you're playing with a broken shoulder, like dude, you're running back. Like 
Think about that. Like, that's crazy. Um, so I think it's admirable what he, he did. I think that the team is doing the right thing by, by jumping in and, and, and further looking at it. And so it's going to turn out the way it's going to turn out. And it sucks because here we have this 1,000-yard rusher that we all want to see, especially in the last game in Oakland. But, you know, I'm, I'm more uh, considerate of his future than I am the rest of this season, frankly. Like, this is you know, what, what, what good is going to come out of it other than – you know, locking him up as offensive rookie of the year, you know? So, and that's in the whole scheme of things that though, that doesn't lead to Lombardi trophies. I mean, it yeah, that, contributes, but it's not a result of. That's why it just bothers me. You know, I have a brain that thinks backwards constantly and about things that truthfully have no situation on the actual situation. But the timing of this, like I said, to me, it seems a little, little weird because after he got the thousand yards came the first Raider room. Then he posted on social media about the injury. Um, and then you said that maybe he didn't let the team on to know what he, what he officially was dealing with, but then why would he post it on social media to let the media or the team know that way? And now they finally investigated, you know, now finally after week seven, when they could have given him an MRI or something like that. I don't know, but maybe it, like you said, the fracture got progressively worse a fracture is a little indent and possibly maybe broke open a little bit more. It's not healing. And, but he must've known that, but I don't know. It, it's just the timing of it seems weird. It's like after he got his stats and everything, like now they pull him. I don't know, but I love the dude. I wish him the best. Uh, and I hope he could play for the final game in Oakland. I think I really hope he does. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but that brings me to this. Josh Jacob had a mic'd up video. He doesn't like to be on camera. They had him mic'd up for the previous game. And boy, he he came out of the shell when he was mic'd up. I loved watching the footage. He was leading the team on the field, all of the players, even offensively and defensively. And he was doing he's more animated than Derek Carr should be as leading the field or the, the team. So I asked this question. Do you think Josh Jacobs has taken over the leadership in that locker room by playing with a fracture, by what he's doing on the sidelines, by his, you know, mic'd up animations? And is he possibly should be the team MVP when normally that goes to a quarterback? But as we all know, our quarterback leaves nobody cares. But team leader and team MVP, Josh Jacobs does. Talk about him, the team leader, and is, is he the MVP? No, I don't think so. I think that he's gained a lot of respect and he's gained a lot of uh, credibility with his behavior and his play and his, you know, just his overall mindset and approach to the game and all. Yeah, I think he's earned a lot of lot of respect of the of the veterans and he certainly has of the fans and, and he's quickly become a favorite. Um Derek Carr is still our leader on offense. We may not all be pleased with what he's done lately, but uh, he's still our guy. He's still the guy that that's wearing the C on his chest, and uh, at least for the remainder of this season. And he's still, you know, the the the, the, the de facto leader of the football team. I'd say that if if anybody rivals that, it's Rodney Hudson, and Rodney Hudson is our MVP. Rodney Hudson is the best player at his position, arguably in the game, let alone on the Raiders team. And I think that, sadly, because of the way this season has unfolded, our offensive line's quality of play 
is become like not even a, a topic of discussion. Think back to last year. Where's all you Colton Miller critics right now? Where are you? Like I'm, I'm having trouble hearing you right now. I don't, I don't, I don't hear you. Where's all the, where's all the haters at? Like there I'm was not a, speaking, but I'm still here. There was a lot of people <laughs> giving that guy 10 kinds of crap last year. And now no one says a word about him because the offensive line is balling out. Gabe Jackson is playing great. And of course, I mean, the stalwart, our absolute leader is Rodney Hudson. And, you know, Richie has come in and, and done well. Trent Brown, the big show over there on, at right tackle has done amazing. But it's Rodney Hudson. And so without, without guys like Rodney, you don't get even any of the success Derek Carr has had this year. You don't get the success that Josh Jacobs has had this year. So to me, the, the team leader and the team MVP, if it's not Carr anymore in terms of leader, it's Rodney. Different styles, clearly. He's not the, the vocal presence and, and out there doing press conferences like your quarterback is. But I think that if, if you were to poll the offense uh, in the rooms and in the locker rooms and in the rooms in Alameda, Rodney Hudson would definitely uh, be way, way up there, if not at the top of the list. And then certainly in terms of play, like it's hard to grade a center. Like I'm not Ted Wynn. Like I don't grade all 22 film and all that kind of stuff. But just knowing the results, seeing it for whatever my eyes can tell me when I watch a game on Sundays, yeah, Rodney Hudson's the guy. Who's our leader on defense? I mean, I, I could say it was probably perfect, but he's gone. Do we have any leader on defense, honestly? I don't Max know. Crosby I and two say, rookies? Yeah, can Max – is he becoming a leader? I, I, I think that if Jonathan Abram doesn't get hurt, he quickly becomes it. You know, that guy, you see him. You still see shots of him on the sidelines now. Like you yeah. see him and he's up there and he's, 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 he's talking to guys and he's, he's like, you know, when, when guys come off the field, they go talk to John. You notice that, you notice when Josh yeah. Jacobs and all like off the field, like th they go to John. So, and, and Jonathan is, he's over there being a, a, a you know, an, an earful to the opposing players. Like I would have <laughs> loved to have seen, cause you know, he's a Mississippi state guy. Uh, Brown for the Titans is a, is an old miss guy. I would have loved to have seen those guys playing against each other. Gosh, that would have been amazing. Just seeing that sec rivalry carry over into the NFL uh, would have been awesome. But anyways, I think Abram like, cause who else, man? Like, yeah, I hear you on, on perfect. I mean, whitehead, is I I'd say if you had to point at somebody, that's the guy. He's the veteran. He's the guy that's you, you see him still taking charge. Uh, he doesn't have the impact in his gameplay that a typical quote leader would have. You know what I mean? Like you think of like you know Ray Lewis or whatever, like guys that are. I'm gonna get on, I'm gonna get on Whitehead in a little bit. You're gonna love this. You're gonna love. I'm this. sure I will. But he'd keep it Raidery like Greg Beekert. Like if you think in those terms, like those were your leaders and they were these these great players. Uh, Whitehead is is frankly kind of struggling, but he doesn't have a lot of help either. So, uh, anyways, I would say if I had to pick somebody, uh, not even if I had to, I would say Whitehead is is your is your leader on defense. All right. I love your takes. I'm not going to talk about it. I think Jacobs is quickly becoming the MVP. Um, I don't care about defense. Now, we don't have to talk about this subject, Murph. If you just want to say pass, I have no problem with it. But it's a storyline, and I'm going to use it for clickbait. So here we go. Antonio Brown is doing stuff on Twitter and Instagram. Can you believe it? Can you believe it, Raider Nation? He posted a picture a rehash with him and Tom Brady with the caption, I miss you, bro. And then I had a question, why the hell are you not posting pictures of Derek Carr who befriended you 
just as much as if not more of Tom Brady. Then Antonio Brown, he posted a lengthy apology, apparently to the Raiders and the Patriots, trying to get back in the NFL. And he also made a video called The Comeback Will Be Greater Than The Setback. Then he has a picture with the words act differently in front of him and his Raider press conference. Is there any credence <laughs> to Antonio Brown apologizing and your take on any of this? Uh, I got two words for you. I got two words for you on this story. You ready? Fuck it. You ready for my for my 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 take on this, Mikey? For I'm, for all of it? Oh, I, I know what it is. Let's put I'll get the hashtag out. Oh, here we go. Hard pass. Go ahead. Oh, I thought you were gonna say hashtag FAB. <laughs> no, I don't no. This guy no. he his his name shall not cross my lips. Go ahead. You talk. Oh about my it. god. <laughs> uh, but you know, Carl will say nobody cares, and a lot has happened, and we need to write a book about everything that happened. And Antonio Brown is one of those idiotic things that happened. Tom Brady has how many Super Bowl rings? Derek Carr has none. That's why Tom Brady's gotten the attention. That's it. Period. Let's Correct. Talk about, talk about Raiders again. Stuff. Antonio Brown only cares about people with money and rings. Whatever. Let's move on. I don't know why I did that story. I just felt like being weird. This is an interesting tweet. Um. Jerry McDonald wrote this tweet uh, about John Gruden in his press conference on Derek Carr. I think he played really well today, Carr did, considering what's going on around him. I think there is a big story there. At least we recognize it. Really proud of the way he's competing and performing with all these moving pieces. Derek Carr even went on to say something that he'll let Gruden speak about what's going on behind the scenes in both of their press conferences they said something is going on and they referred to it Derek Carr said I'll let Gruden speak about it now Gruden said I think there's a big story there what's going on I mean we don't have no answers they're both putting excuses on something happening and there's a big story there it, is it the injuries is it the revolving door at every position for the Raiders what are they using as an excuse with this tweet or this quote from Carr and Gruden. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I mean, things are a crap show, you know, at best right now. You know what I mean? Things have, have gone completely off the rails here in the second half of the season. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't try to read anything into what it is other than the, they're now in a position they didn't expect to be. They felt like they were just like we did, that they were going to compete more effectively down the stretch of the season. And now they're not. And there's been a lot of adversity. So in terms of self-preservation, do you not use it as an excuse, but you bring it up, you go, Hey, we're not going to use injuries as an excuse, but here we've had all these injuries. Well, they're not wrong. Like, uh, you know, is it every team has injury? I'm just tired of it. Every I team has injury. Big- and I agree. And I got done just a few minutes ago talking about how teams like the Steelers have dealt effectively yep. with all those injuries. Now that said, you know, look, when you lose the amount of players that you've lost due to injury, is that going to impact your season? Yes. And has there been teams that were championship contenders in the past that were no longer championship contenders because they've had key losses at key positions? Yeah, that's also true too. And is that the case for the Raiders? Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, when you lose the amount of players that we've lost, it's you, you're not going to get any better. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, 
when you're down to your fourth safety, you know what I'm saying? And, and your, your, your fifth linebacker and all like, you know, look, you can only have so many expectations of it when those things happen. And I, you know, I just think that now it's got, now that we're relatively, you know, other than being mathematically eliminated, we're out of contention. Now these things are just starting to come out a little bit. So I don't know. I don't, I don't read too much into it. Sure. It would have been nice if things would have been different. Uh, I could tell you this. I'm excited about next year. I'm, I'm excited about the idea of another Mike Mayock draft. We've got two first round picks. We got three third round picks and to have those players join in with the 2019 draft class and the young players that we already had established and the key veterans that we've already acquired and the $70 million in salary cap we're going to have to spend. Like I'm pretty stoked for Vegas. So I'll just, you know, I love what the Raider fan on this tweet wrote in response to McDonald. He wrote, uh, Giovanni Raiders wrote talking pitch trade value. Gruden is playing chess while others are playing checkers. He keeps speaking good. So apparently he's insinuating Gruden is speaking good about Derek Carr and padding his stats all year to hopefully trade him in the future. That's an interesting. I don't, uh, I don't think he would pad his stats without the intention of winning football games. I don't think that at all. But is there a long game that that John Gruden is playing? Hell yeah, there is. Of course, of course there is. He's got a ten year contract. His goal, you know what I mean? These things take time. I mean, you can't, you know. There are quick turnaround stories all over the NFL. All you got to do is look at the Niners this year. There, there is there is a case to be made for those things having to happen. But there, for the most part teams build over time and that's what John Gruden is looking at. So is there a, you know, a, a something in the back of his head that says we got to preserve, you know, Derek Carr's the integrity of his stats. So he's, he retains value. I don't know. Maybe is he going to do that and sacrifice the potential to win a football game? Hell no. Like that's never going to happen. But are those things in the, in the back of his head? Maybe I don't know. It might be. Why wouldn't they be? I guess. Right. Like, I mean, you know, speaking of speaking of Gruden playing chess while everybody's playing checkers, and you thank you for that nice segue about the long game. Well, looking into the long game this week, it was announced that Deshaun Kaiser, who came to the team with Nathan Peterman injury, uh, is now second string, apparently beating out players like Mike Glennon. And Nathan Peterman was available to bring back off of IR a couple of weeks back, and Gruden apparently loved Nathan Peterman, but he officially made Deshaun Kaiser activated and second string moving forward. I don't know the true athletic nature of Deshaun Kaiser, but he mimics some of these players like Mahomes, um, Lamar Jackson in practices and stuff like that. And John Gruden with the way Derek Carr has been playing or being called out or his decision-making or what have you, I asked the question. You said that John Gruden needed to at least look in the draft toward players with that type of ability for the new NFL that we have nowadays. Is John Gruden slowly replacing Derek Carr? Just one thought. I don't know. Is he slowly evolving every position on the team? Yes. So quarterback being the most prominent position on the team is he slowly evolving that yes you know so yeah i mean every every look unless you have aaron Rodgers or tom brady or 
Lamar Jackson or, you know, maybe a young player like Josh Allen or unless you have a player like that, that's an absolute slam dunk at the position, then yeah, you're going to evolve it. So, uh, and that's what I said last week that the Raiders, it would be, you know, it'd be appropriate for them to do that at this point. So I don't think, you know, moving Deshaun Kaiser up the depth chart past Mike Glennon, that's no major jump. The guy fumbled twice in the freaking game last couple of weeks ago. You know what I mean? Like who's, who's Mike Glennon? You know what I mean? So but he looked good. It was wet and raining. So you got to give that up. Nah, Mike Glennon not having any practice. Come on. Yeah, he's come on. He's still he's Mike Glennon. Like, well, you know, so elevating Deshaun Kaiser, a, a big arm guy, somebody that Gruden we know liked, you know, Notre Dame guy. That's not surprising to me at, at all. And, and so to answer your question is terms of like long term. Yeah, I think that it would be fair for them to bring in somebody. We got two first round draft picks. Heck, you, you seen the light, these late? I don't, I'm not a mock draft guy, but I do look at like where different players are ranked in terms of like versus the others at their position coming out in the draft. Freaking Jalen Hurts is ranked like I don't know the 17th quarterback or something. <laughs> so somebody clearly you could get with a third round pick, and the Raiders have three of those. So is it out of the question that the Raiders draft somebody like that with a third round pick to sit behind Derek Carr for a year and to push him and challenge him for QB one? Yeah, that's very feasible. And why would you not considering Derek Carr's cap number is only at least the dead cap number is only 5 million bucks. So yeah, yeah, you would definitely do something yeah. like that. And I if don't they think the shot oh, go on, sorry, I, I was saying, I don't, and I, and they would, you know, it would be irresponsible not to at this point. I don't, I'm not saying that Sean Kaiser will replace Derek Carr. I'm just saying the optics of this situation might light a fire because Derek Carr's been struggling. Then all of a sudden, Deshaun Kaiser was brought up to second string when optically, in terms of public perception, he looks like he could be one of those athletic quarterbacks with a big arm. Uh, so optically, it might light a fire under Carr. It it might make the media talk about it during the offseason more. It might give the offensive coordinator, Greg Olson, some play calls. He might invent some plays in the next couple weeks for Deshaun Kaiser out of the field if he could run or throw the ball deep. They might put Deshaun Kaiser in, in a game, you know, when the game is out of hand or in the final game just to get a look at the quarterback situation moving forward before the draft. But I mean, the optics of this are interesting. I mean, maybe. I mean, it depends on what offense they're going to run. I mean, John Gruden's West Coast offense is not going to be run by someone like Jalen Hurts. Like, that's not that you want someone more like Joe Burrow. You know what I mean? You want somebody like that, someone that's more, you know, pocket-type passer. I mean, you sure you want somebody with some escapability, but it just depends on, like, you know, Derek Carr, and, and I'll give him credit, he showed more of that in this last game. He was finally reverting to that, you know what I mean? That that fluid lateral movement where he'll get outside the pocket a little bit and move around. Like he was finally starting to do, to do that again. And I don't know if that's under coach's advisement or not, or if that's just him letting his abilities take over or whatever. But but you know those offenses that you referred to and those offenses that we see uh, that those quarterbacks are running. That's not the offense that John Gruden runs. So are you just going to bring in uh, someone with that kind of athletic and passing ability just because? 
or, or, to, or are you going to bring them in with the idea that you're going to then adjust and build your offense around them? I don't know. I mean, I, and until we know what that answer is, and we may never know because why would they tell us that? Because then we just give away what they, their intentions are on the draft and all that. It, so unless that answer is, is or let, unless that question is answered, then we don't know what they're going to do. So it's look at anything. It's going to be exciting, right? Like, well, it'll be fun to see where this thing whole, all this thing uh, uh, plays out. Heck, you got someone like Mariota that could run that kind of an offense too. And he's probably going to be out there. I mean, not that Mariota's the guy, but, or maybe he is, I don't know. It wouldn't be the first time the Raiders had a reclamation project. So who knows, man, it's, it's, I think this it's in t- more than ever. It's up in the air and it should be, but it's more right now up up in the air than it ever has been. Yeah. It's just very interesting. The timing of it. And you said that once they made Deshaun Kaiser second string, all of a sudden their car is trying to make with his feet. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just saying maybe that lit a fire under him all. It's just the optics are very interesting. I I will say this. If anything, the guy I'm rooting for is Tua because he got he got hurt sadly, and and assuming everything's going to be okay with his hip. Uh, so is that the question? The answer to the question: Any college quarterback you would draft in twenty twenty for the Raiders' possible future? I'm purely talking with my fandom here, but I would love to see a left-handed Alabama quarterback be our freaking quarterback. Come on, Kenny Stabler. We'll we'll just we'll call him Snake Tagovailoa, man. I would just love the idea of a of a lefty Alabama quarterback taking that back over our offense again. And he's going to be around because he's going to fall a little bit because he got hurt. So you know what? That might be the perfect storm. Uh, People were wanted us to tank for two last season or this season possibly, but now this injury probably got a year or so get right. And then that could be the, the final year or two, Derek Carr, and then Gruden could possibly move on or draft to a second round if he falls or maybe late in the, depending on that situation. But it might be the perfect opportunity to sit behind Derek Carr for a year or two, get his feet right. and then. If there's a possibility of changing for the future beyond Derek Carr, Tua would be on our roster and he might be a perfect fit. Um, if any quarterback I could think of that I want for the Raiders 2020 future, it's whatever quarterback that's out there that can run around and make plays and throw the ball on fourth and one in the goal line and possibly the final touchdown in Oakland. That's all I'm going to say. Whichever quarterback's going to do it, that's the quarterback I want. Uh, we'll leave it at that. All right, Murph. Thanks for all the headlines and topics. And let's get into, I guess, the game review, the blowout review. Here's where I said I was going to speak about Tahir Whitehead. Uh, our defense sucks. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, it's revolving door everywhere. The Raiders do not have the right schemes or whatever. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Tahir Whitehead, he leads the, the game, every game in tackles and stuff like that. Uh, but does that mean he's good? I don't know. But before the game, on the game that was called the cause for Cleach, you know, where they raised me for charities and all that other stuff, he takes a picture before the game of him and his million-dollar grill in a cause for Cleach game. And during this whole season, Taylor Whitehead on hard knocks was showing his guns, his shirt, his clothing line. It feels fake AF for publicity, and in a losing season, it feels like since he's leading every game in tackles for a bad defense, 
he's trying to gain brand recognition or fame, whether it be social media and all that. And the reason it ticks me off, yes, it's because we lost and I'm salty. But it was on a game that was supposed to raise awareness for cleats and charities and other that. And he selfishly posted a picture of like a million dollar grill that could have fed the homeless or something like that. Do you have a problem with that picture or hear Whitehead in any aspect? No, if we indict every athlete for trying to promote their brand on social media, we can pretty much shut down the NFL. Like, Good point. I don't have a problem with this at all. Good point. I know. Just it sucks when you're losing. I get mad at everything. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it out on any picture he takes. I'll be like, "How dare you, dude? How dare you?" <laughs> that special day. All right, the Raiders lose to the Titans in a. I'm not going to call it a heartbreaker. Our third quarter woes continue. Oh, it was a heartbreaker. Uh, yeah, I would. give me give me your impressions while I show the stats that don't need to be shown. Give me your. I don't know, your thoughts, your instant reactions. Well, clearly we can't, you know, stop a nosebleed. And without a defense that can do anything, you put undue pressure on your offense, uh, especially one that's missing their featured uh, player, which is Josh Jacobs. So, you know, that was it was it was pretty heartbreaking, man, especially the idea that we hung in there uh, for the first half and then completely collapsed in the second half. And I think what's the most disappointing for me in this is uh, is, you know, it gets thrown around a lot that like, oh, the coaches need to make more adjustments. Okay, well, <laughs> well, what kind of adjustments? Like, come on, Mister Evaluator, come on, Mister Analyst, what they adjustments? Make fun of me all the time for that. <laughs> like, what adjustment? Like, I see it, and it's, well, it's not just you. I'm not taking a shot at you, but it's all over. No, social, no, it's all over social media. People are always like, oh, the coaches didn't make adjustments at halftime. Well, then what did you want them to do? Like, don't just throw out the adjustments word, throw out specifics. What specifically did you see with your, you know, amazingly talented NFL eye that has you driving an Uber on the weekends? What is it that you saw that the the, the defense needed to do to adjust uh, or the offense needed to do to adjust? Now, that said, clearly there's something that's happening with the team in the second half. I don't know what it is. So I'm not going to pretend to be that guy, but I will tell you this, that clearly the team plays differently in the second half of the game than they do in the first half. So whatever that is, until we get that figured out, then, you know, you get what you got. And unfortunately, we didn't have an answer for them offensively. We didn't have an answer for Derrick Henry. Uh, you know, A.J. Brown got loose over the top of us way more than we would have cared to. So clearly there's communication issues. Um you know, the ones that want to run Paul Gunther out of town, you know, uh, why didn't you, or maybe you did want to run, I don't know, every single defensive coordinator we've had since who? I don't, and even that was questionable, right? Like, I, I mean, I liked him though. I liked him. Yeah. Well, he was fun to root for because, because he looked like Uncle Mosh. But outside of that, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, but anyways, I, I don't know, Mikey. All I know is this is that, you know, it didn't, it didn't look good. It, it didn't – something changed drastically from the first half to the second half, and regardless of what the actual things were that transpired, the coaching performance of the Tennessee Titans was better than that of the Oakland Raiders in the second half of the game, and it was very reflective on the scoreboard. I mean, I agree. Uh, again, there's – 
you we as fake fan announcers or analysts as honestly I am I'm one of them I admit it but you're right it feels like there's no adjustments and we we tend to struggle constantly we don't know the game in and out we do is play mad but at least on madden we change the place at least on madden change the place you know when, when we got an injury on madden he's out for five weeks we put in a speedy ride receiver that we drafted or something like that and we changed the place we put him at the tight end position and all that other stuff i don't know technically if the coaching staff or whatever are changing the plays. During that entire game, I was live, Murph, and I called out every play on third down. I go, oh, there's going to be a crisscross. They're going to look at Tyrell Williams or Darren Waller on the left side of the field or Jalen Richard going to run to the right and go out for a screen pass. And it happened. 40% of the time I called it out. I I'm just saying, Gruden's offense is not built for shootouts be done whether it be the players we got they're not getting open whether it be their cars decisions we are not built to come back from 14 let alone 21 points with this offense not right now we are building the foundation from the offensive line up so we got an offensive line and a run game we have no receivers right now no speed on the outside and that is what it is so here's the total stats on defense. I don't even want to talk about our defense. We should be getting better. Uh, we should be getting better. I mean, to give up that little yardage to Patrick Mahomes last week and then to come back home and give up 550, over 550 yards to Ryan frickin' Tannehill, it's, it's just ridiculous. Who are the Raiders? And we won the time of possession, Murph, and lost by that much. Uh, again, think about the defense and what's going on. I mean, if you got to fire anybody, I'd fire every player and every coach. Murph, don't even want to speak about it. I'm done, <laughs> man. No, it's yeah. I don't know what what else to. I mean, is fire everybody the answer? Has that ever worked? No. Like, oh, I know, but fire everybody answer. never works. Like that. No, you have to. You have to stick to the plan. You have to stick with your with your coaches. You got to stick with your. I'm not even saying stick with your players necessarily. You have to stick with certain players. Um, but you, you know, firing everybody never works. Look around the league. Firing everybody never works. Very rarely does it does it work. I mean, not when you have a clear cut direction uh, and leader at head coach. From there out, when you go coordinator down, does it work when you just, quote, fire everybody? No. Did it work when we fired Ken Norton? No. Did it work when we fired Bill Musgrave? No. Did it work when we fired Tom Walsh? No. Did it work when we fired Coach Randy Hansen? No. Did it work? I mean, like, we can go on and on and on and on and on, and firing people is never the answer. So those of you that are out there, uh, that are like, oh, we just need to get rid of this coach or that coach or this coach. So tell me, give me a, a specific example in the past where that worked. And then I'll be like, hey, maybe you're right. But, you know, unless you're talking about maybe Ron Rivera coming in to be our defensive coordinator, like that, I might be able to slide behind because we know Ron Rivera is a bomb defensive coordinator. So maybe if we can bring him in, to replace somebody like Gunther, I could see something like that. But aside from a really, you know, for lack of a better term, hot candidate like that, 
Like, who are you going to bring? Like, who is your freaking golden goose out there that's good? I can't, like, the people that are like, we need to bring back Jack Del Rio. Like, really? Like, how many ex-Raiders head coaches do you want on this staff? Isn't Tom Cable enough for you? Like, give me a (laughs) break. Hey, let's see what Norv Turner's up to nowadays. You're like, get over it, man. Stop it with this stuff. I know, but it just goes back to Raider fandom of the legacy. Like, even though they got fired or they left the team possibly in turmoil, at the end of the day, 10 years later, we all still love them <laughs> somehow, some way. <laughs> but the only person that I think about that they're not asking for a return has been J- Jamarcus Russell or Matt Schaub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard about any of that. Hey, good thing back. Lane Kiffin got hired by Old Miss today. Otherwise, we might be looking at him too, right? Oh, my goodness. All right. But how about some kudos to DeAndre Washington, who was a cut candidate in training camp of us people. We were picking players that would be cut during training camp and all that, and the injury to Isaiah Crowell cemented him to be on the team again for a third straight year. So how about we give a little bit of kudos to DeAndre Washington for playing for Josh Jacobs in a tough situation. I love this guy. This guy is 100% an amazing Raider. Yeah, it reminds me of Justin Fargus with his style of running, man. Just that really aggressive, a lot of explosiveness to him. Uh, yeah, he was one of the guys I thought, if I, if I remember correctly, back to our show uh, when we were talking about rosters, final rosters. I think I had him as odd man out. Uh, but it, but back then I even remember saying that it wasn't because of I wasn't a fan of his style. I just thought that it was a numbers thing uh, that was just going to play out, not in his favor. But, yeah, so kudos to him. Unfortunately, it you know we couldn't do more around him. Yeah, it didn't pan out. And then there's their cars leading receivers. And weekly, it seems to be either Dan Waller or running backs on the top. Uh, I like, I saw out of Rico Gafford getting his first touchdown as a Raider and as a player in the NFL. But I don't understand why he didn't play in the game more if Gruden was trying to spice things up. And he showed a little bit of speed and quickness in previous preseasons. I don't know why he wasn't in the game more, but um, any issues with the wide receiving court? No. And you know, th- I'm going to throw another one at you. Not ne- This isn't a, at you, Mikey, necessarily just those, again, the, the talk and the chatter out there. Uh, every, everyone that's critical of the, the team about, you know, th- these targets, you know, the, the, all we throw is to Darren Waller. All we do is check it down. All we do is we don't throw to our wide receivers. You know who Mikey, there are two teams that the, the, the Raiders throw, to their wide receivers, second fewest in the league. Do you know who the fewest is? Probably Chicago. No, the Baltimore Ravens. You hear anybody complaining about the Baltimore Ravens offense? No. The answer to that question is because they're killing it on offense with what they do well. So anybody that's critical of the Raiders for not, quote, throwing to the wide receivers, well, first off, we don't have that many great wide receivers, but – Neither does Baltimore. They have Willie Sneed and, oh, yeah, Seth Roberts. So, anyways, it's it's less it's, – it's more conspicuous to the Raiders because we're not winning, but I don't Ra- think – Raiders need to back Michael Crabtree. Yeah. Raiders need to bring back Michael Crabtree, Derek Carr. Yeah. They've got a chemistry, Michael Crabtree. Yeah, let's bring him back. And Seth, let's see if we can get Seth Roberts in a trade back in the offseason. Like, come on, man. It's crazy. <laughs> Easy Raider Nation. I love reading that on Twitter and everything. But I'm really upset at Tyrell Williams. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but these free agents at wide receiver, Trevor Davis, Zay Jones, um, why did they pick them up? If they're not a scheme fit? Because of injuries. 
Yeah, this but again, there was other free agents that could guys, possibly do more. Uh, it, they're, they're just possibly, schmossibly. These guys were brought in to be fourth wide receivers in the line. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Rico Gafford is a freaking uh, practice squad player. Like, you know, it, it was ideally, it was going to be whether Tyrell Williams was supposed to be our number one wide receiver, period. Then Antonio, he was supposed to be our number two. No, Antonio sir, Brown. he was not. He was signed no. as our number one wideout. Then Antonio Brown became available, oh, and we signed really? him. Oh, okay. And he was going to be one, and then two. Then you have Hunter Renfro playing the third. All the rest of these guys are fourth and fifth at best. So that's the way that it was supposed to play out. Now, clearly, it didn't go that route. And then you had the A-B situation, and then you had the injuries start to stack up on top of that, and then everything went to pot. But this is not, you know, we thought that wide receiver was going to be a strength of our team coming into the season. Clearly, it wasn't, and clearly it isn't. And so, thankfully, we have two number one draft picks. So guess what? We can draft a quarterback, and we can draft a number one wideout, uh, number one target for our either our young quarterback that's going to play behind Derek or the one that we're going to draft to compete for the number one spot. Yeah, I'm just tired of seeing you know people blaming on the wide receivers can't get open, this and that, or the scheme or whatever. You know, like we're going to do more in the show. But I see other teams, like you mentioned Pittsburgh earlier, you know, players come out of nowhere. And they, they play good. The quarterback makes plays with them. They seem to be a scheme fit sometimes a little bit more than they are with the Raiders. Or if they just 100% lost confidence for whatever reason. But I'm just tired of players I've never heard of make big quality plays. And it really hasn't happened for players like Zay Jones or, you know, well, they don't get to play whatever. Well, they don't get to play the Raiders defense every week. If we got to play the Raiders defense every week, those guys would be ballers. Good point. Good point. There it is. There's your official standing. Kansas City leading the division. They won the division based off of tiebreaker. So even if we they lost all three and we tied, we can't come back. So I'm just going to pose this question. Probably answered it through the show. But um, bad players, or is it a bad scheme? Or is it bad coaching? Who can you blame? Because I gotta blame somebody every week, Murph. That's what I gotta do. What's wrong with our offense? I think you blame everybody, man, including the things that were non-controllables like like injuries. I think it's all this is just a culmination of a lot of bad. I mean, and it's an it's an unfortunate symptom of Raiders football over the past however many years, except for 2016, which was an anomaly because we had so many lucky wins, like in, you know, going for two in New Orleans and the Seth Dread Pirate Roberts play and the last second touchdown in Tennessee. And you think about all the close games we won. Otherwise, 2016 isn't even 2016. So I think you have a lot of things all coming to a head. And, yeah, I think there's not a thing on here that doesn't ring true. I've said on this show a hundred times, and at first people used to give me a hard time about it, but I think people have come around to the idea in terms of bad players. I say a lot of times the Raiders run out of talent, and this is what I'm talking about. You get to a point where you can only sustain a certain amount of injuries, and then your talent is out. Then now you're you're scrubbing the bottom of the barrel for somebody to fill the role. You're getting warm bodies. You're bringing in practice squad players. You know, he only took a couple injuries to linebacker and safety and wide out. And all of a sudden, like, yeah, so we, we don't have any depth there, and so we run out of talent quickly. Uh, that's the bad players portion of it. The bad scheme. 
We that's there you go. There's the scheme around Derek. Is he given the free will? Is he given the opportunity to create? Is he being restricted? I don't know. But if he is, that's probably not the best idea, considering that the players that are succeeding in the NFL nowadays don't have that type of mindset, except for one that's got six Super Bowl rings and he's allowed to. And then bad coaching again, you know, I don't know. I mean, again, it doesn't look good. based on the the performance in the second half but when you run out of talent do you also run out of options i don't know i think so again i think all of this is true i think all of this stuff is true and so and who do you blame i don't know the ether cuz you could blame everyone I, there's nobody on the raiders that's above criticism at this point and i and i don't think that that it's unfair to think that way and i'm typically the guy because i'm a raider fan so sue me i'm the guy that supports the team blindly and loyally and will never waver from that and because of that i typically will try to find the positive the silver and black lining and things but at this point like you can blame them all you can blame them all even, uh, even the golden boy josh jacobs even he's got a little bit of blame like what are you doing with social media stop it like quit it like all of you guys like all you can blame everyone you're, because you're gonna kill me. you're about to kill me, Murph. I'm going to do a finished quote, but just revisited by Al Davis. When you have bad players and you have a bad scheme and you have bad coaching, you tell them one thing. Nobody cares. Just lose, baby. Oh, it's sad. It's sad. Uh, I didn't want to do that, but um, long story short, yes, we have bad players in certain games. They're dropping balls. They're making mistakes at key moments. So, yes, in certain games, you can blame them. In many games, you can blame bad schemes. Is John Gruden truthfully that predictable? I don't know. But it seems like week in and week out, I'm even able to dissect the play calls and call them out before they happen. And I'm stupid. So if I'm able to do it on 30 or 40% of the time, John Gruden's 1998 playbook is not modern enough for today's NFL. And I hope he starts to change and add analytics and all that other stuff. And here's a little conspiracy theory we're going to be talking about all year. I think Jay Gruden will come in and be the offensive coordinator with uh, John Gruden in Vegas. And there is definitely bad coaching on many occasions from that aspect. That's what's wrong with our team. Uh, Coaches, players, and the scheme, they all seem to happen lately in every game. But for a while, it was one or the other. All right, let's move on. Uh, Raiders versus Jags apparently will be the last Oakland home game ever. What do you want to see from this game? What are you expecting? I mean, look, I know we're going to win. I'm just going to throw that out there. We're getting a win by any means. I don't care. It's going to happen. Air Carr, Gruden, they're going to throw it all on the table. They're going to throw trick plays. They're going to do whatever they can do. And the Jaguars could be, be gut. Um, I don't know, man. What? Just give me your thoughts before this game, Murph. Yeah, just those three words. Just win, baby. Period. End of story. Like this is the game that the Raiders have to have now that the season is in terms of postseason is out of question. 
I don't care if they lose all the rest of their games as long as they win this one. If you were to give me the choice to win this one and then lose the next two, yes, I will take that all day long. Send Oakland fan home appropriately. Honor the legacy of the team. Honor the legacy of this team in this city uh, by sending in that sending them out with a, with a with a W because there's no other good news on the horizon because we're not going to make the playoffs. I know we haven't been mathematically eliminated, but by all intents and purposes, it's over. So send Raider fan home with a smile. You know, like it, I think at this point, uh, if we can pull this one out, then. You know, that gives us at a minimum seven wins on the season. Doesn't guarantee us, a, 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 you know, an opportunity to have a winning season, but pushes us that way. And, yeah, I mean, you, you can't send – I mean, look, all this, like, you know, um, defeated – and I'm even feeling it, too. I don't know if you could tell, but I even feel it. This, this defeated disposition that the Raiders have in terms of, you know, the demeanor, you know, Carr, Gruden, all of, all of whoever – if you think it's bad now, go out there and crap the bed for last game ever in the city of Oakland and see what Raider Nation rains down on you. Like This could be a turning point. Like you said, this could be a turning point for Carr and Gruden's relationship going into Vegas in terms of optics. You're 100% correct. Yeah. Think about the marketing aspects behind this. Yeah. Like, think you know, like, you know, something simple. Like, all right, so earlier this year when Andrew Luck retired – you remember all the flat out criticism that Indianapolis Colts fans got by booing him? You remember that? Oh, that, that remember that? Like that was that was ugly. Like that was that was kind of ugly. Well, okay. Now go out there and throw, you know, a couple interceptions and lose to the Jaguars. After home. all of this turmoil yeah. that car yeah. is going through yeah. publicly. Yeah. Uh, lose this- lose it like like not you know, you're not talking about the worst team in the league. You're not talking about the Bengals or something here, but you're talking about a bottom dweller. You're talking about lower quarter of the league in terms of quality of team. Go it out there and lay an egg against them and see what Raider Nation does. It's gonna it ain't going to happen. Uh, look, that, thank you. We- Talk me away from it, Mikey. Bring it in positively. Regardless of winner or lose with their car, playing correct or making bad decisions, whether you love them or hate them, car's a Raider. I mean, he's going to end up owning all the stats. Sorry. <laughs> so their car's a Raider. He's going to end up owing, owning all the stats as the best quarterback in Raider franchise history. And I'm not going to diminish that. Kudos to Derek Carr, regardless of the future. Derek Carr, after being booed, I don't care what anybody says. He's going to have the eye of the tiger. Groom is going to make a game plan. And they're all going to put it all on the line. They're going to talk it all up in the speeches, you know, this is the last game in Oakland. This is, the, you know, it's going to be fired up. Derek Carr, if this is his possible last game as a Raider, depending on Gruden in the offseason or whatever happens, Derek Carr will win this game in big fashion. He will throw the ball on fourth and one in the goal line, no matter what. He will do it, and we're going to win. We're going to win, and we're going to win big. I think it's all going to be said and done to end this history in Oakland on a positive fashion. And then Raider Nation will cheer. Raider Nation is the best. They will not boo. They were sad last week that he didn't try harder. But maybe he was saving it for this game, and I hope so. All right. In terms of the playoff predictions, we'll just throw this out there. We are not mathematically eliminated. We're not going to talk about it much. but. If the Houston Texans 
lose every game moving forward, and we win every game, we sneak in after six seed. If the Tennessee Titans lose every game and we win every game, we sneak in as the six seed. But here's the funny part. The Titans and the Houston Texans both play each other two times out of the next three. So if either one of them split that series, we are eliminated. So what are the odds of them both either or losing all three and us winning three and sneaking into the playoffs? What are my chances? (laughs) Not good. Uh, so what is that, 1%? Not good, like, one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. Wow. That's the bad quote. <laughs> Wait for it. it Wait for it. So you're telling me there's a chance. There is a chance. I love that quote. What yeah. is that for? Jim Carrey? <laughs> yeah, it's from Dumb and Dumber. I think the Titans will win them yeah. both. The Houston Texans are flailing. Yeah, there's I think the a... Titans will win them both. Okay, there's a chance. <laughs> I'm and, sorry. And I'm a little sad sack tonight, man. This one, this one took it out of me. You know, for those of you that don't know, I'm I'm originally from the Bay Area. Uh, I'm from San Jose, California, but I now live outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and Middle Tennessee, right in the heart of Titans country. And, uh, man, so not only uh, do we have a certain presence on social media, so when the Raiders lose, I hear it just from whatever team's fans anyways, but when the, they lose to the Titans, and especially in such a critical game, dude, I've caught 19 kinds of crap uh, from last night all the way through today, and I'm just I'm feeling a little beat down, man. I'm feeling a little beat down. So, yeah, I know mathematically there's a chance, but – this thing's over, man. Let's just send out Oakland fan appropriately. Let's win this game and uh, maybe climb back to 500. And uh, But it's time for the offseason, man. I, I, I hate that to be that way, but I'm that guy today. Yeah, the graphics are wrong. They're from many weeks earlier, and then I kind of updated little by little. So who cares? Get over it. Saying, the graphics messed up, Mikey. The graphics messed up, Mikey. Yeah, isn't it correct, Mikey? Whatever. Shut up. Long story short. Uh, we got the ch- ch- Chargers after the Jaguars. They won a, a game the other day. And then Drew Locke, some people are saying he looks better than Carr so far. I don't know. It's just saddish, and I don't want to talk about it. He's got more 300-yard games than Derek Carr does this year. How's that Correct. sit with you, Raider Nation? Derek Carr's had how many shots at 300-yard games and has zero, and Drew Locke has had two shots at it and has one. Yeah, or he has one. I thought he might have two. That's crazy. Those this is crazy the crap stats. that we have to deal with. This is the stuff. I'm, this is why you get beat down when it's like, okay, how do I defend that? How do I, you? How do how do you defend that? How does the proverbial you out there, Raider Nation? How do you defend that when the stupid ass yeah. Broncos quarterback already has a three hundred yard game and our guy still doesn't have one? Ugh. Again, it's the system and Derek Carr's decision-making at times. So I blame both. All right, let's move on. It's time to stump my man Murph. Ah, jeez. That's right. We're going to stump me as well. First off, I just want to let everybody know we do have T-shirts available if you're interested in support of this channel. The Monday is Monkey and Murph MTV logo design. That's the most popular. We've sold two of those. Then we've sold one of the Faces logo (laughs) in total. But, hey, if you guys want to wear our faces on your body and represent 
hopefully one of your favorite shows on YouTube. Uh, we truly appreciate it, and we love you guys, and thank you so much. All right, let's get right into it. This is called Raiders Backdraft. That's right, Murph. I'm going to stump you without yeah, you looking are. at your phone. I want you to name three Raider players that were drafted in 1988. Jeez, oh, dude, I don't know. Man, I really don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know drafts very well. Um, it's just fun. I can name one. He's my favorite player of all time. If you know who my favorite player of all time is, I don't. Let's see. So I'm gonna let's see. 88. Gosh, man. Um, there's a couple of big ones in there, but it was Newski in there. Trip you out. And we're gonna find out, aren't we? Maybe myself as well. I don't know. Okay, so 88. No, no, that would be no, 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 88. Uh, Timmy Brown, that would is that too early for Timmy? I don't know. I really don't know this stuff, man. I I don't know. I'm not good at going back in drafts. Again, I haven't looked either. I mean, I really haven't. I know Tim Brown was drafted in '88. He's my favorite player. Got okay. his rookie football card everywhere. Okay. So Tim Brown was '88 because his rookie card came out in '89 because they always put it a year later for some reason. So mm-hmm. Tim Brown, I know, I'm pretty sure was drafted in '88. I'm also thinking Mervin Fernandez. I don't know why that's going into my head that we needed receivers that year. And then I'm going to go out on a limb and say John Ritchie, fullback. Mm-mm, no, way too early for Ritchie. But go yeah, ahead. Right. He's in the 90s. Uh-huh. Some defensive player, there's got to be a, a big one out there. Well, that line, I'll tell you on that line, because I know that the 88 Raiders, so would have been the 89 season, good friend of our show, Pete Koch, played on that line. It was him and Howie played on that line uh, on the defensive end, and I'm trying to think if there was a rookie that played with them, and I don't think there was. That's probably Brian, like Winston Moss or somebody like that. Like again, I don't. There I, you go. That's a good. This one. is the stuff where I get, I get, I know I'm, a, I'm aware of the players, but I don't. I get, I get jacked up on the minutia of like when these players were. Then nowadays, like in the '90s plus, I'm much, much better because I'm older. But you know, I was. 15 and so i mean i wasn't really even locked into the drafts like the deep the depths of the drafts back then you know what i mean it's just fun but i guarantee you murph moving forward now that we're gonna get the answers you're gonna remember this much better in the future oh i'm gonna go and research this stuff and get it stuck in my brain now because i don't want to lose any cred yeah which i'm sure people in the chat are yelling at me right now but go ahead when i put the graphic in i tried not to look at it i tried to do it like all weird you know like this Yeah, yeah uh Oh, there it is. Timmy Brown, Terry McDaniel. Who else is in there? Scott Davis. That was the, probably the defensive guy I was thinking that about. That would have been the guy that would have played on the line with, with Pete and, and Howie. Yeah. The, oh, they did get a second receiver, which I thought they did. I thought it was Mervin Fernandez, but he was probably a free agent. Mike Alexander out of Penn State. I feel like Mervin was 86 because that was his – his number was 86, and I, Mervin Fernandez and I went to the same high school, and I wore 86 in high school because of him. And I feel like there's another thing there with that, too. I feel like he, he was drafted in 86 also. But I, Dude, knows? we should have had the first three. The first three are in blue, which means they were like Pro Bowl players or, you know, they stayed with the Raiders for a long time. It means they made the roster and they were decent. Tim Brown, McDaniel, and Scott Davis. That's cool. Hmm. Trying to see if I recognize any other names. I don't. Scott Tabor, I remember him from one year. 
I don't remember any of the other names on there. I probably remember the preseason. All right, there it is. I don't know. I thought that was fun. All right, let's get into the fun game. Last week, we fired or hired people. This week, with undrafted free agents. That's right. Next year, you know, going into the season, there are a lot of players on our roster that are going to be unrestricted free agents, meaning you have to sign them again or decline to sign them, and they can, you know, go with other teams for money. There's a lot of players on our roster that are going to be unrestricted free agents. So I'm going to post a picture, and we're both going to answer whether we, the Raiders staff or coaches, and whether we would re-sign them again to a contract, I don't care what value, or we would decline the offer. You understand how the game goes, Murphy? Yes. All right. The first player that's an unrestricted free agent would you rather resign or decline is DeAndre Washington. Resign with no guaranteed money. 100% I would resign him. This guy is a valuable asset and I'm really liking this dude a lot. The next player is, hopefully I can name them all. I didn't write them down. Oh, that's Vontez Burfitt coming off the suspension and the one-year contract. Would you resign or decline Vontez? Resign, but still bring in another linebacker, not depending on him to play the position for the length of the season. I would decline him only because I fear his decision-making on many occasions. And I think we need to draft a linebacker and just plug and play the first round linebacker that we get. That's my opinion. So I think we declined that because Paul Gunther won't be the coordinator. Uh, <laughs> all right. The next player is, oh, I didn't press the play button. Give me. Richie Incognito. Sign him. Sign him on the dotted line. Heck yeah. Him- but get him into a therapy session every other week. Hey, man, he's Still. balled out, man. He's done great. He did. He did. All right. The next player to sign or decline would be Isaiah Crowell, the injured running back that was brought on this roster to be our, our main stud behind Jacobs. I mean, same thing with Washington. Sign him with no guaranteed money so he can compete. And if he proves to be the guy, great. And then it doesn't cost you anything if you got to let him go. Yeah, I don't know technically their sign if that means they continue on the team, but according to the results, said he is an official unrestricted agent. So I would say no. I think we're going to draft another running back or something in the late round, and we might go in that direction. Uh, even though he's really young and he could play good for this team moving forward. Uh, I believe that Gucci Harris is an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, I'm not sold on him, man. I don't know. I uh, No, I, you can find anybody to return to kick. Yeah, injuries seem to be a factor the previous two seasons with him, and he's now 32 years of age. So uh, I could see the Raiders moving on from him just like they did with other players. Uh, the next player, oh, my God, who is that, 95? Is that Mayoa? Yeah, you know what? It is Benson Mayoa. You're right. Uh, yeah, kind of these, these, these are the guys that, yeah, sign them, but fringe and player, right? So you sign them, but you don't guarantee money. So you can move on from him if you have to. Yeah. I mean, he has been a stud early on for the Raiders in the sack position in the first four to five games. And he kind of is one of the best players beyond Max Crosby 
Only because Cleveland Farrell is taking up all the double teams and letting them get free. Correct. But I still like the addition of Mayowa again for a second year, but he's going to require some money because the team looked that bad, uh, you know, in terms of sacks on occasion. Uh, but I say sign him. Uh, there it is. There it is. Number seven, Mike Glenn. <laughs> are we going to draft a quarterback? We don't want Mike Glennon on our team anymore. Are we going to draft a quarterback? Oh, I think we're going to draft a quarterback. Now, where? I don't know, but I think we're going to yeah. draft one. All right, so let's decline Mike Glennon. Let's go back to the Bucks or what other team you played for. I'm disappointed in you, the- Mikey. You used a picture where it actually compliments his neck right there. Like, there's got to be another one that shows the actuality of that pencil neck where it's like a foot long. And I know, and I'm part of the long neck crew. You know what I mean? I don't have a neck. Look at that. I don't have neck. People are like, Mikey Ray, where's your neck? I don't got a neck. I'm like a turtle. Yeah, I got enough for both of us. Look at that thing, man. Look at that. There's like, to go from chin to chest, like, there's there's like 18 inches of travel there. I'm like a shock absorber (laughs) over here. Speaking of travel, Arizona Cardinal and now leader Josh Morrow is an unrestricted free agent. Would you bring him back in? Same as Mayoa. Yeah, Sign I would, him with I nothing would guaranteed. I would decline Morrow. Uh, he hasn't panned out. He cannot cover. He can only defend the rush, and he's not a fat master and has no moves. All right, I would decline him. Um, the next player is, only a few more to go, Jalen Richard. I think my answer on the, every single one of these is going to be the same. Sign him, nothing guaranteed. So you can move on from him if you have to. Yeah. Um, if they re-sign DeAndre Washington and they draft a running back, I could see Jalen Richard on the out. Um, I don't know, but he picked up a block the other game uh, on a blitz or something that was beautiful, and he really he really tried to ball out. So I mean, he's got return what? capability, so, I mean, he, he gives you that, which is nice. Uh, you know, he, he had the fumbles a little bit when he was returning previous times, but this year he seemed to be okay coming in relief of Trevor Davis and, 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 uh, Dwayne Harris. So, I mean, he's, he's got that capability to him too, but I don't know if you got Washington, it's kind of like a duplication of effort there. He's a little better catching the ball in the backfield, but we might have the same roster next year if this all pans out, but I would sign him, um, what he's got, but also draft a player. Uh, there it is. Uh, number 20. I believe that's Darryl Worley. Yeah, he's played well this year. He got torched against Tennessee Titans, man. But, you know, Mullen got freaking just, ugh. He got shredded in that game. So, uh, you, you know, I don't know. The, what Mullen getting shredded is not Worley's fault, nor his uh, an excuse for his play either. But, uh, yeah, I think overall he's played pretty well this year, considering it all got dumped on him. I mean, he was going to be the number two corner coming into the season, and then he ended up our number one, right? He's great depth. You know, if we can build through the draft and get more young players or even a free agent that can handle the cornerback position without getting rid of our first round pick for a third round pick, like we did with Gary Conley, I see you resign him. Um, only two more to go, I believe. Uh, okay. Number 42, Joseph, we declined his fifth round option. Yeah, we're not going to be able to afford him. So, I mean, if yes. I think he's played really well and, uh, you know, demonstrated his dedication to the team. And, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm a fan of Carl Joseph. He, he was one of those guys coming into the season where it was like, okay, you know, it's going to be up to him to kind of turn us around and change our opinion of him. And 
I think he's done a pretty good job of that. Sadly, by doing that so well, uh, I think that someone's going to be willing to pay him more than what the Raiders are going to be. So, you know, I, I, I say sign him, but that's with a caveat. Do you want to sign him for what someone else is going to be willing to sign him for? Uh, probably not. So I think he's going to be gone. But, yeah, in terms of this exercise, yes, sign him. Gruden doesn't seem to get rid of uh, – doesn't care to get rid of players that are young. We declined his fifth-year option. He also went on IR, which decreases his value into the offseason. Uh, but, you know, I would take a chance if he's available, but I don't see Gruden paying top dollar for – I mean, a safety. He's probably going to draft another one. Um, here it is. There's our official list of unrestricted free agents. You guys can look, go through it yourselves. But that's our official 2020, un, or what's it called? Unrestricted free agency of all of our players. And this was the sign or decline game. Boom! 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 We Let's... are done. We are another show in. This was our 36th episode, which is amazing for our channel. And we're, tech, we're typically rounding down at this time of year on our show especially without the playoff and the hunt and whatever I'm dealing with in, in, in life. But we will be coming to you guys with a few more shows before the scene officially ends. And we will have a monthly special on Mondays with Mike and Murph. Stay tuned to that. But um, yeah, I'm not going to end the show here, but it's just sad time. It's going to be the last game in Oakland, Murph. I'm, I'm actually really sad. Like the day feels like it's here, dude. Yeah, I'm a little bummed too, Mikey. I'm with you. Uh, real quick, Winston Moss was drafted in 1987, so I missed that by a year, and it was by the Buccaneers. It wasn't even drafted by the Raiders, so shows you how bad I am at that game. Uh, yeah, man, I think that's all. That's also part of why I'm feeling a little down. You know, the, yeah, the win losses. You know, of actually, I take that back. Win losses. We figured the team was going to be about a 500 team, and that's about where we're at. But the way that it's, it's kind of fallen off after having a little bit of hope, I think that's what's contributed to this. And then all the, can, again, the fact that it was the Titans and all those things uh, all kind of play into it. But I think that just hearing you say that, I think that's what's got me, man. I, I really wasn't able to pinpoint it until just now hearing you say that. I mean, you know, as much as uh, I'm not a city fan and I don't live in the Bay Area anymore and uh, I don't have any very few family ties at this point back to that that region, but I do have a lot of memories, some of my fondest memories growing up, fondest memories of my dad, fondest memories of family and, and friends and all the amazing uh, uh, doors of opportunity that have gotten opened since we've begun our podcast and uh, just all the things that the experiences that I've had in Oakland, uh, knowing that that's all coming to an end. Um, yeah, it's it is a little uh, it is a little sad. And while I've also been very vocal about don't let where the team plays impact your game day experience, like don't let whether it's Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Oakland, anywhere else, don't let that change your game day routines. Don't let it interrupt your family gatherings. Don't let it interrupt the camaraderie that comes with being a member of Raider Nation. Don't let the team's locale interrupt that. But there really is something that's, you know, kind of emotional, frankly, about the Raiders playing their last game there. And, and so, yeah, it, it's sad. And I'm so glad. I'm so thankful we got a chance to go out there uh, in the 
in a few weeks ago and see him play the, the, the Lions and, and see so many of our friends and to experience the, the Coliseum one last time, see him win one last time. But, yeah, Mikey, I think that's it, man. I think that's why I'm kind of kind of feeling down, man, is that this is it. And, and, you know, my hope is that we send it out right, man. I hope that – and I know the Raiders are going to take it seriously. I know that Derek Carr is hyper-aware that this is it. I know that John Gruden is too. And I know that odds are everybody involved with this organization understands and has a hyper awareness to the, uh, to what this means, what this means to the entirety of a fan base, regardless of where maybe, you live. Maybe they need to go out there and film uh, play calls like the Patriots apparently did with the Bengals again the other day. <laughs> I don't know about any of that. But all I know is that, is that they're going to have an awareness of how important this is to Raider nation and uh and and you know i'm gonna have faith that they're gonna get it done and i and it's well, is disappointing that as it has been that they haven't got it done on certain occasions this year uh i'm gonna trust that like you said earlier they're gonna pull out every stop they're not gonna let anything hold them back uh, if there's a trick play to be had for the raiders i don't know if there is or not i don't know if there's a flea flicker or a reverse pass or anything i don't know if any of those things are out there available in the playbook but if they are uh you bet you they're gonna come out and they should and so at, at the end of it, though, I'll say this, and then I'm going to shut up, and then let's get out of here. Um, I, I'm so envious of the, of the members of, of Raider Nation and the fans that are going to be at the game. Uh, it's going to be an amazing experience, and, uh, and I know you all are going to have an amazing time. And I would just say this, that regardless of how the game comes out, I don't care if they get blown out by 50 or they win by 50, don't let that, and it's going to be hard not to, but don't let that alter what you're able to absorb that day keep your phone in your pocket other than maybe a few pictures with friends and family but absorb the coliseum absorb the atmosphere absorb the flyover and the national anthem and the flag and the tailgate and you know all absorb all it is that it is to be a member of raider nation get there early get there when the gates open wander around the a lot and the d lot go see the guys at the pillaging podcast go do do everything there is to be done and absorb it and regardless of how the team plays don't let that impact you uh in in, in a negative way i would just say don't don't do that just just take it for what it is and enjoy it and love it and because this is it, man. Last shot to do it. So take it in one last time. They will. Trust me. Last year when we thought it was, you know, the finale as well, Raider Nation respected. There was no badness or anything like that going on. And I'm just going to end it with this. Uh, me and the Raiders go hand in hand. Uh, this feeling fills my life as well, Murph. I'm, gonna, I'm on an emotional roller coaster constantly. And then I just had the tragic news that I'm going to have to move, whether it be now, but definitely in the future. And I have to start a new life. And that's the same equation, situation, the Raiders are in. And you, you should guys, move to I Vegas. Cry, that's what I'm saying. But, I, you know, I cried about it. I was fearful. I didn't want it to happen. But now I've slowly accepted it. And you guys have taught me about the positives that will come from moving and getting a different outlook on, on my life. And that's what the Raiders are going to do. So go into this game. Get rid of all that hatred, like you said. Nothing but positivity. Whether we win, lose, or tie, we're all Raider Nation for life. Cheer them on. And when Derek Carr runs onto the field, give them a cheer. We are quality people. The media doesn't know that. They think we're thugs, we're hoodlums, we steal, we this, we that. They're afraid of us. 
but we all know the truth. So go out there, celebrate life, celebrate your family, and let's have a fantastic just win day. This has been Mondays with Mikey and Murph. We'll probably see you next week to discuss to discuss a victory Monday. And we're gonna have a great time. Get on out of here, Murph. Let everybody know real quickly about your channel. The link's below. And let's say goodbye. YouTube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave. That's M-U-R-F-S Fan Cave. And then check us out on any podcast service that is Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you can find a podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Please search for Murph's Fan Cave, M-U-R-F-S Fan Cave, and subscribe. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Love you, Raider Nation. We'll see you next week after we whip the hell out of these Jaguars. We will, baby. We will get that just win, baby. I guarantee it. And it will be big. And Raider Nation will be dancing in the aisles. And I expect many many legacy players to be in attendance to amp up that crowd. And we might actually create electricity on that night. This has been Mondays with Mikey and Murph. We'll see you next week. This has been Mondays with Mikey and my boy Murph. Bringing you Raider Topics and rate of dirt and positivity because we are a pretty cool rate of talk show we try to have good times it's time to go this has been mondays with mikey and murph we'll see you next week raider nation hi it's jamie progressive's employee of the month two months in a row leave a message at the hi jamie it's me jamie i just had a new idea for our song about the name your price tool so when it's like tell us what you want to pay hey 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 and the trombone goes blah 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 and you say we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes savings coming at ya savings coming at ya yes no maybe anyway see your practice tonight i got new lyrics for the rap break progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law let's say you just bought a house bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents you'll proudly mow the lawn ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn tell people to stay off the lawn compare it to your neighbor's lawn and complain about having to mow the lawn again good news is it's easy to bundle home and auto through progressive and save on your car insurance which of course will go right into the lawn Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com.